All right. I need you this morning. It's been a, another long week. I was at City Reach in Madison, Wisconsin, um, served um, the Sun Prairie Madison community, um, and then got to preach and teach and write, as we've been saying all week long, write on the hearts of um, over 300-something people. Um, it was just an amazing experience, uh, but it was definitely... Um, Energy consuming. So, good morning, Church on the Rock. <clears throat> I almost don't need to do it again. Almost. But uh, that's one tradition I ain't giving up. Mm. Hey, it, it, I know. I'm sorry, but it's too bad. Good morning, Church on the Rock. All right, all right, all right. So, I need you to, um, whatever's on your mind, Whatever's on your heart that is a result of your week, of, your, of the world that's out there, um, leave it out there for right now. Let me, let me have your attention um, all the way right here. Let me have your full attention. So we've, we've been doing five to six weeks on this Romans journey. And um, to be honest with you, I was going to do this really unique a uh, sermon where we were going to look at Christ in every book of the Old Testament for one sermon, uh, but we're going to do that next week instead uh, because I couldn't get to the study and I wanted to do to make sure I presented it well. I always want to present very well, give you the best I can give you. Uh, instead, we're going to take a, not necessarily a break, but a different perspective on this Romans journey. How many people feel like they've grown over the last five weeks tremendously from the teaching of Romans and the things that are in there. Majority of us, right? Okay, and we've learned so much, and prayerfully you've been convicted and moved and motivated in so many ways, but um, that whole necessary evidence we see in how we looked last week at the promises, the prophets, and the pages of God, and said that there's things we must see for it to be the gospel of God. Okay, I want to take a break and, and say that there's some necessary evidence we must see in us now. Now that we know what the gospel is, now that we uh, know what it means to be a slave of Christ, now that we know who Christ is, now that we know that we are sent to carry this message and called to be saved, and all these things we've learned in just the last five, six weeks, none of it means anything if there's not transformation taking place in us. Church is, this Sunday church thing, is so full of training lips and not transforming lives. You have so much knowledge right now that just puffs you up to go out and be like, my church teaches blah, 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 blah. And, and, and we know the Greek of this, and we know that, and he said this, and now let me quote that. But it doesn't mean nothing if your life is not transformed. It's just a whole bunch of words, and, I, and, and honestly, I just become this dude that's dancing for you, entertaining you, performing for you, saying things in a way that make you laugh or make you go, mm, but you're not going to do nothing with it. At that point, you, I've said this time and time again, you're at the wrong church. You need somebody who's going to speak a message to you that God will use to transform your life. That's what this whole thing on Sunday morning is about transformation, not training. I can, get, I can get a kid 
or an adult or anybody to, to repeat something and just say it. But to actually live it, that's a completely different thing. So we're taking a break to just check ourselves. And we're going to do that periodically. That's why it's a five-year journey. Because we're going to periodically stop and say, hey, we've learned a lot. What are we doing with that now? So this is one of those stops. So we're going to be in 2 Corinthians uh, 2, verses 15 through uh, 2 Corinthians 3, verses verse 6. So there's a little bit of text here. And oh, real quick, hey, give me the, uh, my name and stuff real quick up there at the top. Yeah. I keep forgetting to put this up there. I want to put it up there. If you have questions, if you need me, text me, email me. I, this, this, is not, this is some heavy stuff that we're doing every week. So if you have questions, please reach out. If I can't answer, I will send you to Lewis. I will send you to one of the deacons. I will send you to Pastor Jason or whatever. But we want to make sure that you're not just saying, oh, I didn't get that, and then moving on to the next week. We really want you to understand this. All right, now go to, go to that text. All right, so look. Uh, We're going to read this through one time, and then we're going to break it down. Paul, writing to the Corinthians, says, For we are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. He goes on and says, To the one an aroma of death, I mean from death to death, and to the other an aroma from life to life. And who is adequate for these things? For we are are not like many, peddling the word of God, but but it's from sincerity... (laughs) <laughs> but it's from God. We speak in Christ in the sight of God. Keep going. Yep, you can roll. All right. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again, or do we need as some letters of commendation to you or from you? Yep, keep going. You are a letter written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Just keep it rolling for me, Jason. Being manifested that you are a letter of Christ, cared for by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts, such confidence we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God, who also made us adequate as servants of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. So let me give you a quick context of this letter. This is Paul's, it's technically like his third or fourth time writing the Corinthians, but the only ones that were recovered were these, the only ones that were preserved. He's, in a sense, defending his ministry to this church. And we're going to walk through some things that I want you to really examine yourself about, especially after the things that you've learned over the last five weeks regarding what it means to be a Christian. So we're going to start off with my first point, and I'm basically asking you, do you smell like Christ? Everybody's like, what? Yes. (laughs) Do you smell like Christ? This is going to be the first thing I want you to examine about yourself this is the first thing I really want you to look in depth about yourself to see if you, if you add up to the necessary evidence we see when we're looking at what a Christian looks like or smells like in this case, right? So we're going to go back to 2 Corinthians. Uh, I want you to see this. Go to the next slide there. He says, for we believers are a fragrance of Christ to God. We are the believers, real believers, smell like Christ to God. You see that? That word fragrance in the Septuagint is used in Exodus 29. 
In Exodus 29, what you'll see is that it's used in the form of a sacrifice. When, when God was talking to Aaron and the priests about what they needed to do to be set apart or consecrated, he got to this step and said, you shall offer up in smoke the whole ram on the altar. It is a burnt offering to the Lord. It is a soothing aroma. That's the same word right there an offering by fire to the Lord. So in other words, it is a good-smelling aroma to the Lord. This burnt offering, this sacrifice, is a good smell to, the, to, to God, to Yahweh, to God the Father. In the same way, Christ and what he did on the cross, his death on the cross, was a burnt smell, a soothing aroma, a good fragrance lifted up to God. In other words, he, he, it smelled good that there was a sacrifice for the sin. So now I'm asking you, what do you smell like? What do you smell like as a Christian? Do you smell like a sacrifice? And, and, and think about that. Are, are you living a sacrificial life in your Christianity? Or is, or is your Christianity all about your convenience? Because I'm going to tell you right now, the majority of us, it's a convenient Christian life, not a sacrificial Christian life. So first, you need to smell like sacrificial living. Give me Ephesians 4 uh, right there. Uh, it says like this, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So if you're a believer, the Holy Spirit has sealed you. You are going to heaven. You cannot lose that, okay? Because you didn't put the Holy Spirit in you. God did. You don't lose your salvation. You are sealed. You see that? Sealed for the day of redemption, okay? But don't grieve the Holy Spirit. How do you grieve the Holy Spirit? Look at this. He says, go on to the next verse. To the next verse, he says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger, and clamor, and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. All of these things are sacrificial because whenever you're bitter, or have wrath, anger, clamor, or, or want to gossip, or just, be, or just have malice, all of that are feelings of the flesh, feelings of payback, feelings of revenge, feelings of you're going to get what you deserve. And, and, and a Christian that smells like Christ foregoes all of that. Let's go, I smell, I'm sacrificially living by not being bitter, by not being wrathful, by not having anger, clamor, or gossiping or slandering about somebody. I'm sacrificially dying to myself in the same way Christ did. Who had more right to talk bad about people, to be mad, to be bitter than Christ? Somebody who died for something he didn't do. Who had more right to be upset, to be bitter, to be angry, to be mad? But he willingly, not forced, he willingly gave himself on the cross, and it smelled good to God. Do you smell like that? Do you smell like that? What, what, who are you, who you still mad at today, right now? Think, think about that person. Who in your life right now are you bitter with? Are you angry with? Do you have wrath with? Who have you been talking about behind their back? Who are these people in your lives? And then, and then why? Because that does not smell good at all. Give me any reason. Well, Rashad, you just don't understand. No, no, no. I don't have to understand. I don't care what they did to you. Think about what you did to Christ. Think about what you did to Christ. And he willingly gave himself up as a sacrifice, and it pleased God. If you are a Christian, you will smell like that sacrificial life. You will give up all your bitterness. Look, all bitterness, and the way this is in the Greek, 
The all goes for bitterness. The all goes for wrath. The all goes for anger, clamor, and slander. All of that. It goes for all of that. So, so why are you still holding on, Christian? Huh? Especially if you know the good news. Especially if the last six weeks have really impacted you in any way. If you've really learned something, not just with your head, but with your heart, then something has to transform in your life. Why are you still holding on to things that are not gospel? Hmm? I will dwell in the presence of the dwell, I will live with, I will abide in the presence of the most. I will trust in the Lord. I don't have to be bitter and angry and have revenge because I know he'll take care of all of that. Hmm? You sing it, but do you mean it? Because th- this, is what, this is what Christ smells like. This is what he smells like. Keep going. It goes on and it says, be kind to one another, tender-hearted. Forgiving each other just as God in Christ has forgiven you. Hmm? You, you see this? This is what a Christian smells like. He, he's, he's kind to others, especially the one and others being the, the believers, okay? Also, tender-hearted, forgiving each other. How? How? The same way God in Christ forgave you. In other words, God forgave you based on what Christ did. So it is your responsibility to forgive those who have betrayed you and broken you in the same way that God forgave you through Christ. When he died, it wasn't just for your sins. It was for the sins committed against you. Rashad, I don't know how I can forgive. Mm -mm. Look at the cross. Look at the cross. Stop looking at yourself and look at the cross. If you look at your flesh, if you look at yourself, if you look at what you think you deserve, then yeah, why would I forgive? Why would I ever, like, give grace and all? I'm not doing all that. I deserve better. He shouldn't have treated me like that. She shouldn't have done me that way. This boss shouldn't have done this. My child shouldn't have done How could I forgive them disrespecting me and, and talking about me or hurting me in a time of need and all these things? How can I do that? Christ, he died for it. And, and, and honestly, that person that you're not willing to forgive is probably the person that needs him the most. And because of your lack of willing to forgive him, you won't share the gospel with him, which is what we just learned three weeks ago you've been sent to do. So which is it? Are, 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 we, are we Christians? Do we smell like Christ? Because after everything that we did to him, he still went to the cross. Period and said, follow my example. Keep going. He goes on and says, therefore, be imitators of God who forgave you in Christ, so imitate him as beloved children. Keep going. And walk in love. Walk in it. Live in love. Just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us. We normally do to love your wife as Christ loved the church, and that's the only way we see that we need to love like Christ. But look at this right here. Just as Christ gave himself up for you, That's how you're supposed to love everybody else. So it's not just your wife. We only use it for a marriage verse. Love your wife as Christ led the church and gave himself up for her. Okay, but right here, just as Christ loved you and gave himself up for us, you're supposed to love like that. Why? Because it's an offering, and look at this, and a sacrifice to God. That is what? A fragrance. A sweet fragrance. 
that God, he loves that smell. Don't you want to smell good to God? I mean, I, I don't like smelling bad for y'all, <laughs> let alone God, right? I get done preaching, I'm like, hey, <laughs> hey, <laughs> hope you had a good, was it a good message? Okay, I love you too, like, you know, I don't like smelling bad for y'all. How much more should I not like smelling bad for God? But every time you're bitter and you're holding on to that anger and revenge and all this stuff and that wrath and all, you stink. You, you're a stinky Christian. I'm not saying you lost your salvation. I'm just saying you stink. I don't want to stink for God. I don't want to stand before God and he'd be like, you smell bad. I'm trying to watch all my words. <laughs> so... Um, so it is necessary that we smell like him, and, and to smell like him, we must live sacrificially. The smell of Christ is a sacrificial life. But here's, here's another thing. The smell of Christ is not just sacrificial living, it's sacrificial giving. Now, y'all know I don't preach anything that's not there. I don't force anything in the text. So when I preach on giving, it's because it's right there. I don't just say, hey, we need to give, so I'm going to preach on giving. No, no. Once it pops up, we go hard on giving. I want you to see this, Philippians 4. Give me Philippians 4, Jason. Look at this real quick. Paul's talking to the, the, the church in Philippi. He says, nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my afflictions. Look at this. He goes on, he says, you yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving but you alone. So he's complimenting them. You, nobody else was helping his ministry except the church of Macedonia. He goes on and says, for even in Thessalonica, which was like basically right down the street, you, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. So even when I was right down the street, and most people would say missions is only across seas. No, no. Even when I was right down the street, you shared a gift that was, for, you know, more than once for my needs. Look at this. He goes on and says, not that I seek the gift itself. All right? So when we're asking you to give, we're not asking you to give for the money itself. We're not like, we need your money. We need your money. We need your money. We need the gift. We need your, please be big time tithers because we need your money. No, no, no. I seek for the profit which increases to your account. Your giving is for you. You want to smell good for Christ? You want to smell good for God? You want to smell like Christ? You have to give. You have to give. That's not me teaching money or else. No, no, that's me saying, where's this I will dwell in the presence of the Most High? I will trust in the Lord when it comes to your giving. Hmm? You, you only trust in him in, in, in the singing or in the getting or waking you up in the day. You can't trust him with your finances, this little material thing. Like he can't, like he can't make a way out of no way. But, but yet, let me, I mean, I don't know if we got on the bulletins right now, but let me pull up the giving. And, and you can come on and amen and all that good stuff, but it ain't there. It ain't there. And, and once again, I don't preach to snipe at anybody. I don't even know what anybody gives you can ask Lucy. I don't have access to that information. I'm preaching the whole counsel of the gospel. This is the whole counsel of the gospel. So he goes on and says this. Look at this. He says, I have received everything in full and have an abundance. In other words, they, the Macedonia church, the, the church in Philippi was actually a poor church. When you read in 2 Corinthians, the church was a poor church. And yet, even in their poorness or being poor, they still gave abundantly, even though they were poor. As a church, so imagine us barely keeping our lights on, but blessing somebody um, who was ministering somewhere else above and beyond because we're that 
excited to participate in the gospel work of that minister, right? Like, imagine this. The reason I'm able to go to City Reach all week long, pour into all those kids and those college students and those pastors up there, and I mean, there was a remarkable response to what happened up there, specifically, and this is not me, this is all God, but the sermon Thursday night that I preached, I've never been more vulnerable in my life, and lives changed, and you could feel it in the building. You can ask anybody. You could feel it in the building. I can't do that if you don't free me up to be full-time. So, so when I'm doing that, you are there with me because you're participating with me in that by freeing me up to do that. I, don't, I can go get a job. I like what I did. I, I need you to know that. I loved my job. I absolutely loved my job recruiting and made good money and wasn't as restricted in my living as I am now. I gave it all up to be available for you, for you. So when we, when we say give more and all that, no, no, it's for you. It's not for, I can go back to, by vocational was easier than full-time pastoring. I'm, I'm being real. Y'all didn't bother me. From, from six to six, I didn't get it. Not one phone call, because they like, he's at work. Yep. Right? It was way easier than, than, than being a full-time pastor. I'm full-time for you. You see what I'm saying? This building is for you. We don't need a building, but when we was at the, high, when we was at the middle school, didn't nobody want to come because we didn't look like a church. So when we got in the building, oh, that's a real church now. And that's all messed up anyway. But, 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 but look at this. He says, he says, they gave abundance. He said, I'm amply supplied. All right, so, so anybody that's like, oh, the pastor needs to be poor, miss me with that, all right? Like, like, like we, I don't have insurance. I messed my thumb up at City Reach, and I was scared to tell my wife because I don't want to go, I don't want to go to the doctor because I ain't got insurance because we can't afford it. We, we, I've been on the same, Lucy, can, I've been on the same salary since, since we started, because we haven't incre- we've increased in numbers, we haven't increased in giving. Hello, and I give. I, I'm a faith. You can ask, once again. This is this. You're my checkpoint today, all right? You can ask Lucy. I I give. I give faithfully. All right. I give sacrificially, and, and so this is not a guilt trip for you to give. It's a guilt trip for you to ask yourself, why don't you smell like Christ? Huh? He goes on and look at this. He says, he received it from Epaphroditus, which you have sent. Look at this, a fragrant aroma. There it is, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. You're, you're giving. So your sacrificial living is well-pleasing to God, but your sacrificial giving is what it smells good to God. You're, you're, uh, re- remember when Christ was like, Hey, the Pharisee that gave the 200 versus the poor person that gave the one, well, she gave all she had, and it was a sacrifice. That was pleasing. That 200, that was just in the abundance of what he did. That's, that wasn't that one sacrificial. You see what I'm saying? Like, this, this is Bible. This is not Rashad. And, and if the giving don't increase, oh, well, I'm going to keep being faithful to what I'm called to do. But this, this, you should look at yourself. You should look at yourself. Why don't you smell like that? That, that doesn't make sense. So, so you got the sacrificial living, the sacrificial giving. So that takes care of the, the time, talent, and treasures. When you sacrificially give your time, talent, and treasures to God, you smell like Christ. 
You smell like Christ. What do you smell like? What do you smell like? Going back to the, uh, the 2 Corinthians uh, verse, go back to the 2 Corinthians 2. Uh, so after that, he says, for we are a fragrance of Christ to God. So that fragrance of Christ is the sacrificial fragrance of Christ to God. Among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. So we, we smell not just to God, but to people. So it's not just this vertical smell, it's a horizontal smell. All right, keep going. He goes on and says this, to the one an aroma of death to death, and to the other an aroma from life to life. So that means if you're really living a Christian life, when you're around people, believers are going to be like, you smell good. Non-believers are going to say, you stink. Here's the problem. Too many of you smell the same to everybody. Think about that. How can you smell good to the Christian and the non-believer if you're really living this, this life that, that's proclaiming the gospel? Remember, last week we said, if you believe the promise of eternal life, you have to believe the promise of eternal death. So if I'm boldly proclaiming the gospel and living the gospel and not compromising when I'm around certain people, then I smell like death to those that are perishing. That's the conviction. Yeah, it, man, when, when, I, when I believed in Christ, it's because I believed in death. <laughs> what do you smell like? What do you smell like? I, I, I compare it to a, um, uh, when, when my wife makes Brussels sprouts. This, I hate the smell of Brussels sprouts, and I hate, I don't like the way they taste. I hate everything about Brussels sprouts. But the girls like them. So when they smell the Brussels sprouts, it's like, hmm, Genesis is coming in the kitchen. Oh, Brussels, you making Brussels sprouts? Yeah, yeah. What? It, it's a horrible smell, right? But since, she, since they like it, it smells good to them. It's, it's similar. Um, chitlins, KY's, pig intestines. Some of y'all might not be familiar. All right, that's all right. It's a cultural thing, all right? When I smell... Nah, chitlins smell bad no matter what. Never mind. That don't work. That don't work. But look, you, they, it tastes good, but they, they just don't smell good. So forget that. Um, the mulch. The mulch. We got new mulch, right? Somebody who isn't plugged in here may be like, ugh, that smells like, you know, mulch, you know, manure, right? Others may be like, yes, we got new mulch. I'm, I'm happy that that smell is there. That means they came and did something to the building. Amen, right? So, so in the same way, like, you should smell different to different people based on the life you live in. They should look at you and be like, man, the way that you're so forgiving and so graceful and so, like, just loving of others, if, if that's what it means to be a Christian, and I've been calling myself a Christian, then I'm starting to, you're starting to smell like death to me. Yeah, that's real. What do you smell like? And do you smell the same to everyone? So moving on in that text, uh, go to my next point for me. Go to my next point. Uh, for we are not like many peddling the word of God. So here's the next one. So it's not just do you smell like God. Do you read, I mean, smell like Christ. Do you read like Christ? Do you read like Christ? So, not, not, so in the same way the smell was like smell like Christ, it's not read like the way Christ read something. Meaning when, when they read Christ, when they looked at Christ, when they observed Christ, when they read him, this is what they saw. Do they see the same thing in you when they read you? Remember we said the Bible is not being read. The book itself is not being read. Instead, they're reading you. 
Do you read like Christ? Do you read like the Bible itself? So now going to that 2 Corinthians uh, 2.17, look at this. For we are not like many, this is Paul, peddling the word of God, but it's from sincerity. So that peddling part, uh, that word right there, the pedal, it means to water down. That means to water down the word of God. In other words, uh, we're going to make it watered down so that it's easier to take in. We're going to make it watered down so it doesn't offend you. We're going to water it down so that we can keep you. The peddlers of the word of God back in Paul's time would say whatever they had to say to get your money. It was all for their profit, not for his promise. Okay? So, so he says, uh-uh. If you read me, it reads just like Christ. I'm not adding to it. I'm not taking away from it. It's going to read just like him. But the peddlers of the word of God, what they would do is take away something that might make you leave. Like I just talked about tithing. Somebody might not come. See, they always talk about money. Bye. Bye. Whatever. You, you probably ain't giving anyway. Bye. You, you're probably not committed anyway. Bye. That, that's just what it is. Because if you're here, I'm going to teach you what the Bible says. That's it. I'm not going to give you my opinion. I'm not going to give you my politics. I'm not going to give you nothing but the truth of God. That's it. I'm not going to peddle any of it. I'm not taking nothing away. I'm not adding nothing for extra guilt. I'm not doing any of that. But there were those out there who would speak on tithing to add more guilt to get more money. And then there were those out there who wouldn't speak on tithing so that you would stay and hopefully give money. I ain't doing either one. I'm going to preach exactly what the Bible says. That's it. That's all you're getting out of me. If you want more than that, you need to go to another church, and I won't even say that's a church in that case. So look, the peddlers of the word, they watered it down. Galatians 1.10 says this. I love how Paul says this in Galatians 1.10. He talks, he says, for am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Am I striving to please men? If I am still trying to please men, I would not be a doulos, slave of Christ. Who am I trying to please? You? Because if that's the case, then I am performing. If I have to get up here and dance around and do just enough to keep you interested in coming back, then I'm performing for you instead of preaching for Christ. The moment I start doing that, you are my Lord. You control me. And yes, I'm your pastor. I am your servant. I serve you with everything I got, but you are not my Lord. You're not. So the moment you start coming to me with your preferences of what we should and what we shouldn't do, of how it should be ran and how it shouldn't be ran, I'm sorry. If it doesn't add up to the Bible and I say no and you leave because of that, bye. Bye. Doesn't mean I won't consider things. I'm very, trust me, ask the leaders. I'm very, what do y'all want to do? What do y'all want to do? But there's certain times when the Bible says this, this is what we're doing. I don't care if you don't like it. Or the Bible doesn't say this, so we don't have to do it. I don't care if you like it. You are not my Lord. When, I, when I'm done, the Bible says in Hebrews 13, I will give an account for all of this. Not you. Not you. So while you're sitting here trying to control the ministry or control the pastor role, understand this. If I listen to you, when I get up there, I can't blame you. I can't be like, well, you know, so-and-so said, so I just felt like, Keep them happy. He'll be like, nah, nah, bro. That's, er, nope. But look at this. It goes on and says, oh, if I, uh, go back to the second Corinthians. I'm sorry. We might have to split this thing up. This is, get, this is good. All right. So he says, but as from sincerity. Sincerity is like they would take wax candles and put them up to the light to see if there were cracks in them, to see if it was a, like if it was a good candle or not. So it's basically taking something, 
putting up to the light. And if you didn't see cracks in the candle, then it was a good candle. It wasn't somebody trying to pedal or get over on you. In the same way, are you living a life that when people read you, they can hold you up to the light or hold you next to the real thing and understand that you look exactly like them, right? So like when we have Jordans, for example, you could, Clinton's the best of this. I could take a pair of Jordans and a pair of fake Jordans and put them side by side. To the untrained eye, they look the same. But Clinton will be like, nope, the 23 is on the wrong thing, and that, that bubble's not right, and that's not even the right color. That's not even the colors that he wore. And all of that shows you that it's not a sincere Jordan. It's a bootleg. It's a counterfeit. A lot of Christians in this room are counterfeit. A lot of us are counterfeit Christians. We don't, if, we, if we're held next to Christ, we don't compare. It's like when you take the money and you see the cashiers, you know, hold it up and then they put the little marker on it and to see if it's counterfeit. A lot of us, if we were marked on, counterfeit. Counterfeit Christians. So is your life as a Christian watered down uh, for your profit so you can keep your relationships and keep your circles and not get kicked out and be isolated? Or is it sincere for his promise? Uh, when, people, when people read you, do they see him? Uh, keep going in the text right here. Uh, go to the next verse there. Go to the next verse. He says, are we beginning to commend ourselves again, or do we need, as some, letters of commendation to you or from you? Keep going. He says, you are our letter written in our hearts. Look at this, known and read by all men. In other words, out there, not in the church, but known and read by all men. Um, he was defending his ministry. They were saying he wasn't a good apostle because he wasn't as eloquent as the other apostles that came around claiming Christ. He wasn't as fancy. He didn't have the alliterations and all that. He was poor. He had to work. And, and same stuff they do today. If a pastor is bivocational, oh, you must not be that good of a pastor. If a pastor has a small congregation, oh, you must not be that great of a pastor. You must not be that great of a preacher. And that's not the case at all. But this is what they were saying to Paul. Paul looked at them and said, I started the church. Like, you're my letter of recommendation. I don't need a letter of recommendation. You're my letter. A, a lot of people in the pastoral circles look at me and say, Rashad, where'd you get your seminary degree? You know, where, are you, you got your doctorate? You got your master's? Blah, blah. I'm like, I ain't got neither. Oh, you're a pastor? Yeah. Come to church. Talk to the people. You're my letter of commendation, right? Uh, they can read you. They can read you. So, so here's a good question, though. If that's the case and somebody came looking for my letter of recommendation from you, would I be hired as a disciple maker? Like, are you actually living a life that says, I'm actually doing my job? Because that, that's a reflection on me. But even more, even more, keep going. Uh, the, the next verse, look at this. You're also being revealed that you are a letter of Christ. If somebody read you um, as a letter of recommendation for Christ, would they say, yeah, he's Lord? Or would they look at you and be like, what kind of Lord? They don't even do nothing he says. Like, do you read like Christ? So that, that is so heavy, and I am, oh, man, I'm not going to be able to get to everything. So, so we're going to do this again next week. This will be fun. But I want to give you Titus 2. I want you to see this real quick in Titus 2. He says, but as for you, speak the things which are fitting for sound doctrine. He's talking to Titus, but I would suggest this for anybody. Older men are to be temperate, dignified, sensible, sound in faith, in love, in perseverance. Keep going. He goes, older women, likewise, are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching, women teaching what is good, look at this, so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, keep going, to be sensible, 
pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands so that the word of God will not be dishonored. In other words, this is men, women, is giving you instructions on what to do. I don't know what to do in the church. I don't know what my call. Just, just start pouring into somebody. Because here's my next question. Do you have a letter of recommendation in this church? If I came to you and said, hey, I don't believe you're a Christian, who can you point to? Who can you point to? Most of you can't name a name outside of your household. Most of, and we call ourselves a church family. You're a family. I love the Coder family. But you can't name one person that I could go to right now and say, hey, um, uh, so-and-so said you've been pouring into him. Is that true? And what have you grown? Uh, how have you grown since? Most of you can't name a name. Now, now, we spend time together. We know how to spend time together. Fellowship all day. But where, where's the growth also? Where's the faith? And where it's not just about fun? And, and what are we doing? Like, who's encouraging that? Is it just me? Because at some point, my voice gets repetitive. Blah, blah, blah. Rashad said make disciples. Blah, 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 blah. And then we, and then we, and then we complain about our giving. We complain about our serving. People aren't serving anymore. We got barely anybody in the welcome ministry, barely anybody back in the kids ministry. When we started at the beginning of the year and we said, hello, my name is Hypocrite, everybody was sold out. Oh, we're going hard. Now we're back to dwindling numbers, right? People aren't pouring in. Four people came to Bible study last week and you don't have to be there. That's cool. But then don't complain to me when you're not growing because all you're doing is your Sunday thing. You ain't got to come to Bible study. What are you doing on your own? And who are you doing it with? And if you know something somebody else doesn't know, are you pouring it? Like, what's going on, y'all? What, what's really going on? Because let me tell you something. These are the beginning stages of a dying church. I promise you. These are the beginning. We can grow and grow and grow with people, okay? We can grow with people and be the buzz of, we, we are, I'm telling you right now, we are a buzz in the Brownsburg community. A lot of people talk about us often. But they don't see what I'm seeing as a pastor, which is a lot of seats being filled, but not souls. And, and, and I'm a, I'm a, Bill taught me well, I do not take responsibility for your lack of response to what I'm teaching. I will not take that responsibility. I will be faithful to break down every sermon I preach. I will be faithful to meet with whoever I got to meet with. But when you don't do anything with that, that's on you. And that goes from my wife and daughter to anybody else here. There are no coattails to the kingdom, period. So at some point, we're going to finish this next week. There's so much more there, and I could, I could do this for, whoo, I could do this forever. But, but um, what do you smell like, okay? What do you actually smell like? And we're going to continue on the what do you read like next week, okay? Um, I'm going to have Tyler, Lucy, Clinton come up. And we're about to sing How Great Is Our God. And I, and I really want you to focus on um, the, the language here because of this. You are a fake Christian, flat out. If you talk about how great is our God, but you live a life that says there's nothing great about him. In the words, we say, we say name above all names. I got a question. Does that include yours? When you say name above all names, a lot of us talk about all these other names, 
It's above my boss's name. It's above the president's name. It's above the anger's name. You know, but is it above your name? Because usually that's, that's the last name he has to be above. So how great is our God? Is he great enough for you to transform your life? Is he great enough for you to forgive? Is he, is he great enough for you to sacrificially live for him? Is he, is he great enough for you to sacrificially give for him? Not for me. I'm not a great God. I'm not even a great pastor. I'm not even a great person. Okay? I'm not great anything. So if you're doing it for me, I understand why you're not giving, why you're not living, why you're not doing anything. Because I'm, I'm not great. I'm not worthy of any of that. I'll tell you that right now. But he is. But he is. So I'm asking you to respond to that. To, to actually respond to the gospel message that we've been learning and actually get to a place where you're like, he's so great that my life is going to transform because he's worthy. He, I know he died for my sins. I know he gave his life for mine. I know I wasn't worthy. And he is a great God for that who is worthy of all my life and all my giving. Let's stand up and sing that like we mean it. And then let's, then let's go and live it like we mean it. Amen?
Amen. As we get ready to close out, I want to give you the rock responses, uh, just the first two real quick. Uh, rock response number one. I'm sorry, I got you jumping all around, Jason, back there. I'm messing with you for messing with me. <laughs> um, rock response number one. I will smell like a fragrance of Christ, a living sacrifice, forgiving others and giving myself to others like Christ. Take a picture of it with your phone or something. But I will smell like a fragrance of Christ, a living sacrifice, forgiving others and giving myself to others like Christ. And then number two, we're going to have twice because we're going we're to come back next week. But I will be a letter of Christ, never compromising what he has written on me, known and read by all men. God cannot just be great on Sunday morning inside these walls around people we're comfortable with. He has to be great even in the moments when it makes us uncomfortable. He has to be great even in the moments when it's inconvenient. If he's a great God, he's always a great God. If your life is not showing that, then I'm afraid you don't smell like Christ. If your life is not showing that, then I'm afraid you don't read like Christ. If you can only give when you have abundance, then you're not trusting in Christ. You're trusting in your abundance. If you can only be loving when people are loving back, then you're not trusting in Christ. You're trusting in that relationship. I'm challenging you to, to live a life that proclaims his greatness, to be an actual letter of recommendation, a reference for Christ, that when people look at you, they want to hire him as Lord of their lives as well. Amen? Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for an, an amazing and unexpected message, Father. You knew this was coming, but I sure enough didn't. Um, I thank you for removing me this morning. I thank you for allowing me to say what you wanted me to say and removing what you didn't want me to say. Um, I am so privileged to be the vessel that you use in this house. But Father, I know that my voice means nothing unless your spirit is at work on the hearts that are before me. So Father, please um, challenge and convict, but as always, uh, because of your faithfulness, with all grace and truth, uh, may this not be a guilt trip, Father, but just a motivation to, for us to get in gear and just, and just walk like we really believe the stuff we've been learning. I don't want this to be a church with a whole bunch of head knowledge but no heart knowledge, a whole bunch of lip service, but no life service. Uh, Father, we want to be a church that glorifies and magnifies you, no matter how big, small, and everything in between that we are. Uh, we want to make a kingdom impact in this community because you told us to, and we just want to be obedient. We praise you. You are great. We proclaim your name and your gospel from the mountaintops. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Have a blessed day. This podcast is a ministry of Church on the Rock, building his body, breaking our barriers. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at www.churchontherockbb.com.
People look at you, and they want him as Lord. I want to thank you all for sitting uh, through that. I could tell by the faces that you were actually here and that you were reflecting. That's why you don't hear amens and you don't hear that because you're thinking, like, is this me? Is this me? I love that when uh, Christ was with the 12 and he said, one of you will betray me. Everybody in that room was like, is it me? Everybody had to reflect in that moment. And I feel like that's what we just had. So even in the silence, in the, in the deep conviction that we may be feeling, I want you to know that's a good thing. Because I'd rather you figure out now that you're a counterfeit than when it's too late. Amen? Amen. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to pray, and then we're going to transition into our baptism ceremony, and then we're going to celebrate those baptisms and be out of here. If you have to leave, do not feel like anybody's looking down on you or anything. We get it. We understand. Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Uh, we praise you for being the great God you are. We thank you for your son and his sacrifice. We thank you for access to salvation through him. Uh, we come to you so humbly this morning, privileged to baptize uh, both Micah and David. We thank you uh, just for all that you've done this morning in both services, and especially, um, Father, the, the conviction that comes from your message. I know I was in no, no shape to put something like that together, um, and yet you came through like you always do. Uh, we trust you. We really do. And I'm praying that uh, through this message, Father, um, that I'm removed and the things that I said that are not necessary are, are forgotten, but everything that you wanted them to hear is tattooed on their hearts and their minds, Father, and, and leads them to, to change and to actually transform for you. It's in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.